Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and Fresh Air's Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events. Welcome to Air Talks TV Talk from LAS 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Every Thursday, I'm joined on Air Talk by professional TV critics to review and discuss the newest cable TV, broadcast, and streaming series. With so much content available, we know it's hard to pick something to watch, and we're here to help. All right, let's meet this week's critics. We're joined this week by Vultures TV critic Jen Cheney and from Consequence Senior Entertainment editor Liz Shannon Miller. Jen and Liz, great to have you with us. Liz, let's start with you on the third season of the Disney Plus streaming The Mandalorian, uh, which has been a huge hit, a spinoff, of course, from the Star Wars franchise. Liz, what do you think of this third season? Uh, Disney Plus was very kind about sending out the first two episodes for review. And unfortunately, I think like, the biggest problem we're seeing with The Mandalorian Season 3 is that uh, all the usual space antics are there. You know, we've got Star Wars antics are there. We've got crazy creatures. We've got, you know, space battles. We've got laser fights. It's all great. Uh, I'm using, you know, non, 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 non-canon terms, of course, for all of this. But the point is, is that it's all there, but there's not enough story at this point to really make me excited personally about continuing to watch forward. I mean, I will continue to tune in because Baby Yoda is still there. But but the momentum of the season is not quite what it could be. Uh, The Mandalorian third season, the first episode of which was released yesterday, and uh, then the next will be released uh, next Wednesday. Jen, what did you think of, of what you've seen of this third season of The Mandalorian? Well, I agree with Liz. You know, I thought that I had moved past my obsession with Baby Yoda, a.k.a. Grogu, and then I turned this on. I'm like, oh, look He's at him. Back. <laughs> He's back. Uh, and that, you know, that relationship between, uh, you know, him and, and Mando, who is played, though very rarely seen, um, by Pedro Pascal, is really the heart of the series. I agree that, you know, we really haven't seen enough to make a full judgment on the third season, but... One issue, and this is an issue with a lot of franchises that are just inundating the market, is that a lot of the Star Wars shows are starting to kind of get confused in my brain because, you know, The Mandalorian kind of had some overlap with Book of Boba Fett. And so I think a challenge for Star Wars going forward is how to really distinguish each of these stories from each other because they are starting to bleed together in my brain a little bit. The Mandalorian, the third season, which just debuted yesterday on the streaming service Disney Plus, it's rated TV 14. I became a big fan of the first season of Perry Mason, even though it departs um, quite a distance from the long-running CBS black-and-white TV series starring Raymond Burr. Matthew Reese stars as Perry Mason in the HBO Max version created by Ron Fitzgerald and Roland Jones. Uh, season two now making a debut. And Liz, at the end of season one, we saw the transition of Perry Mason from private investigator to criminal defense attorney. I assume it it picks up there in the new season? Yeah, the new season begins about six months after the first season ends, and we get to see Perry kind of settle into his new role as a, you know, as a lawyer, figure out what kind of law he wants to be practicing. Of course, a new big case comes up that takes over his life. 
but it's, you know, it continues kind of on the same track as the first season did in exploring just the general corruption surrounding the legal system at that time, which, of course, is a reflection of our time today. Set in 1932 Los Angeles, and uh, if you love stuff that's set in old L.A., this this will certainly uh, give you a great deal of satisfaction. Jen, what do you think of what you've seen of the second season of Perry Mason? Well, I think this is actually a stronger season than season one. Uh, it feels like it has a, just a better sense of what it's trying to be, and I don't know if you felt this way, but watching season one, there were some plot lines that felt, especially the ones involving the church storyline, that felt like they almost belonged in a different show. And I feel like this season, um, everything seems to be much more cohesive. Uh, it's it's very much, you're quite right that it's not like the original series that people remember with Raymond Burr, but it is evocative of the original novels that this is all based on. Uh, and it really gives very strong noir vibes and Listen, I will watch Matthew Reese do anything, and he's <laughs> exceptional as always in this role. So um, I like the season quite a bit. Uh, Perry Mason, the second season streaming on HBO Max. It's appropriately rated TVMA because it's, uh, it's pretty violent stuff. Again, based on Earl Stanley Gardner's uh, detective uh, and lawyer fiction, uh, the series, again, on HBO Max. The first episode releases Monday in this second season. There'll be a total of eight episodes in season two. You probably recall the the film because of a big box office success, True Lies from 1994, written and directed by James Cameron. And uh, now CBS and Paramount Plus, its streaming service, have a, a spin-off television series starring Steve Howey and Ginger Gonzaga. Matt Nix is the creator of the TV version. Uh, Liz, what do you think of this? Uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, approach to how you take a, a pre-existing premise and update it for TV, and it's actually surprising that True Lies hasn't been updated. It hasn't there hasn't been attempts at doing a True Lies TV show that made it to air before now because it does seem like a premise that would work pretty well. Like the you know spy was a spy a secret spy with a family life is you know pretty right material. Yeah, I think like honestly. My interest in the show would be a lot less if it wasn't for the fact that the showrunner is Matt Nix, who did a really interesting job with uh, the uh, USA Network series Burn Notice. And it's from the, so it's the same creator, and there's a lot of that kind of hinky spy stuff to the first episode. So I, I'm not sure yet if it's going to be like, you know, a long running success for CBS, but it was definitely interesting to kind of see how they approached the material and, you know, figure, figured out a way to make it a CBS crime procedural as well. Well, and one of the things about the film that I remember fondly, Liz, is it was pretty funny. It really mixed the humor with the action. And uh, in what you've seen of this series, are, are they able to capture that? I don't know if they capture it to the same degree, but they do. There is definitely that emphasis on it. And, you know, they bring the, the kids get the, the kids of the of the parents get involved a little bit more than you know Eliza Dushku did in the original film. So there's, I think there, I don't know if it's fully at the level of Cameron's work, but there is plenty of uh, plenty of good jokes in there. We're talking about True Lies, which airs on CBS and then following uh, the airing streams next day on Paramount Plus streaming service. Episode one uh, was out yesterday. New episodes come out uh, every Wednesday. 
Next up, Daisy Jones and the Six, streaming on Amazon Prime Video, which tells the story of a fictional 1970s band fronted by Daisy Jones and Billy Dunn, Riley Keough, and Sam Claflin star in the series. Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber are the creators of the series. Jen, please tell us about it. So this is based on a novel that was written by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and it was written as an oral history of an existing rock band. Obviously, it's fictional, but it's, you know, if you know even a little bit about Fleetwood Mac, you will understand <laughs> what's going on in the show. Thinly disguised well here. Uh, I mean, listen, Riley Keough dresses like Stevie Nicks, and a lot of the, you know, dynamics within the relationships are very reminiscent of, of Fleetwood Mac, and so is a lot of the music. I mean, it's filled with music from the 70s, but there's also a lot of original songs that were written um, that are supposed to be Daisy Jones and the Six songs. And try as I might to resist them, I have actually started singing them in my head. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think the show breaks any like particularly new ground as far as telling this kind of a story. It, it hits a lot of the same beats that we've seen in other real rock documentaries and biopics and things like that. But I, I felt like it took a turn in the fourth episode and I just got really invested in it and particularly invested in the performances from from Riley Keough and, and Sam Claflin, who plays Billy Dunn. And they're the, the two kind of front people and songwriters who are obviously uh, both at odds with and in love with each other. We're talking about Daisy Jones and the Six streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Liz, what did you think? I mean, I agree with Jen. I think it it really it, it it may not like cover a lot of new ground, but it's it's really well put together. Uh, and it's you know the whole you know they the actors really did really did work very hard to be basically play on the level of actual rock musicians. And the full album that is you know the full Daisy Jones and the Six album, which is called Aurora, is streaming now on us your on music streaming services. It was just released today, and it it slaps. It's pretty great. So. At the very least, you're going to have regret being stuck in your head for a few weeks after you watch this show. And, um, you know, this this is not the first time that Riley Keough is, has uh, portrayed a musician because she was one of the stars of the biopic The Runaways about that that rock group. And, um, Liz, as, as you watch Daisy Jones in the Six, do you, you're ever thinking about Keough being Elvis's granddaughter? You know, I think that's a that's something to consider in it. But she really, I, I think, as an actor, she really just has developed a body of work that lets her stand on her own. Like, and this was actually one of her first experiences really making music. So, you know, it, it, it I think that you know, it really, she really rose to the challenge. Yeah, Jen, your thoughts about that? I mean, I, if it's in my head at all, it's simply because her mother passed away so recently, and so. Yeah. Um, you know, her, her family lineage is in my head, but, but I agree with Liz, like she, Riley Keough has her own body of work. And I think she really distinguishes herself as a compelling actress in her own right. And, and I think she inhabits the character very well. So whatever thoughts I had about that, they, they disappeared pretty quickly when I was watching this. Daisy Jones and the Six streaming on Amazon Prime Video, created by Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. It's rated TV 14. The first three episodes release tomorrow on Amazon Prime Video, and there'll be a total of 10 of them. This is TV Talk from LAS 89.3. We'll be right back after this. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day. 
and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, and you're listening to Air Talks TV Talk, a weekly review of the newest cable TV, broadcast, television, and streaming series. We continue with our television critics about the best on streaming and broadcast TV. Liz Shannon Miller of Consequence, where she's senior entertainment editor. She's also a member of the board of the Television Critics Association. And from Vulture, TV critic Jen Cheney. Party Down was on the Stars uh, service um, back uh, in 2010. It was canceled following its second season, but really became a cult classic and has been revived for a third season now. Episode one released in late February. The next episode releases tomorrow on Stars. Jen, please tell us about season three of Party Down. Well, as you said, this is coming back 13 years after it went off the air and picking up with the same characters uh, who are all working at a catering service in Los Angeles. And I just, this whole season is delightful. I've, I've watched every episode multiple times. It's It's got a couple of major things going for it. One is that the premise of the show, which is, you know, every episode they're catering a different event and, and different things go wrong. It's just a solid premise for a show that works as well now as it did then. And then the cast, uh, which at the time when it was first on, I don't think people fully appreciated how amazing these people are, but now they probably do. Um, you've got Adam Scott, Ken Marino, Jane Lynch, Megan Mullally, uh, Ryan Hansen, Martin Starr, just really talented comedic actors who uh, re-inhabit these characters as if they never left them. <laughs> it's just an absolute delight. Party Down, the third season after more than a decade hiatus. Liz? I have to agree with Jen. It's, it, it is, in fact, an absolute delight. It, it has aged beautifully. And I think what's so great about the way they've approached season three is that they've come up with very logical, natural, and, you know, funny ways to bring the show into the year 2023. Uh, plus, you know, bringing back the original cast who have all become much bigger stars since the original show's cancellation is great. Also great, Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner shows up and she really plays the hell out of the role and she's very funny and very natural. It's, a, it, you know, it's a really a joy just to see her interact with this cast and also the new members who uh, the new members of the cast who have joined also fit really nicely into the world of the show. That's great. Party Down, third season on Stars. John Embaum, Dan Etheridge, and Paul Rudd, the creators of the series. It's rated TV 14, and the first episode is out. The second episode releasing tomorrow. There will be a total of six episodes. Also wanted to mention that the fourth and final season of HBO Max's Succession is coming a little bit later this month. And, uh, Jen, how eagerly are you anticipating its arrival? I mean, very, very eagerly. I'm like, when are the screeners showing up? Tell me exactly <laughs> what time so I can clear my schedule. Um, you know, it, we just found out, all of us, that this is going to be the last season. That was not something we all knew until a week or two ago. And uh, I think that makes, you know, the anticipation for this final season even even more intense. So I can't wait to see what, what happens next on that show. What is it you love about the series so much that makes it, you know, prime television? 
you know, I mean, it's one of those shows where all of the characters in real life, I would find them detestable and horrible. And they do a lot of horrible things on the show, but it's such a cleverly built uh, world. And the acting is so good that I sort of root for them against my better principles. <laughs> and, and I just, and I, and it's, I'm just fascinated by, and the dialogue is great. It's just, it kind of hits on every artistic level, I think in terms of uh, excellence goes. Yeah. And, and uh, same for you, Liz, about succession and how, how much are you anticipating its arrival? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they, see how they approach the season, especially because uh, the announcement that it was going to be the fourth and final season uh, is something that it sounds like it came. It, it sounds like a decision that was made entirely based on creative choices. Like this, you know, creator Jesse Armstrong said, uh, you know, this is this is the right time to do it. Like this is this is the th- this is the story I want to tell. I want to end it strong. Yeah. There's been apparently potential to maybe do additional additional uh, you know storylines set in other areas of the world, but you know. I, I always appreciate it when a creator goes into a show going, I know exactly how long I want the story to be. Yeah. I know exactly what I want to do with it. And I'm going to tell, end it on my terms. Go out on top. Thanks so much. That's Liz Shannon Miller of Consequence, Jen Cheney of Vulture. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Air Talks TV Talk from LAist 89.3. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Brian, the host of How to LA, a podcast that is a love letter to Los Angeles. Independent movie theaters are having a glow-up moment. Vidiots and Eagle Rock, amazing. We have our friends at the American Cinematheque. The Vista just reopened. In our new series, Revival House, we'll take you inside these spots and share their history. Because movie history is LA history. Listen to Revival House on How to LA wherever you listen to podcasts.